oh, okay, so when I read one of those selections from the Desert Fathers twice, it sounds to you like I made some sort of editing thing instead of I'm just trying to give you a second chance to, to hear some wisdom. Today, I'm not even going to read it once. I'm not going to read it once. Okay, we're still going to hear from the Desert Fathers, but I'm not going to read this part to you. A priest friend of mine, Father Dan, has a much better voice than I do, and he's going to read it for you. Here we go. Joseph of Thebes said, Three things are seen to be honorable by God. The first is when temptations come on someone who is weak and are accepted, thankfully. The second is when every action is pure before God, mixed with no human motive. The third is when a disciple remains obedient to a spiritual father and gives up all his self-will. Okay, if you're like me and you heard those three things that are seen to be honorable by God, you were probably kind of angry because all those things are very difficult and not fun to do. But let's talk about them anyway. So the first is when temptations come to someone who is weak and are accepted thankfully. Now, I think we can just just be real honest and say we're all weak. Maybe there are some temptations that aren't a big deal for us. Some people don't have problem, you know, uh, keeping their eating habits under control. Other people don't struggle with anger as much as other people. But all of us for sure have our weak points when it comes to temptation, certain temptations that are always difficult to resist. But what is seen as honorable by God? When we accept temptations, thankfully. Okay, how do we normally receive temptations? Um, I think usually when a temptation is presented to us, maybe at first we're annoyed, like, oh, I have to deal with this again. Or maybe we're angry and frustrated with ourselves. We think to ourselves, I shouldn't be tempted by this. I should be stronger. I should be holier. And I, I feel bad that I even have to deal with this. Or perhaps immediately we despair because we've fallen into this temptation so many times before. So what we need is a radical change in perspective. This is something we need to take to prayer when we are feeling more calm, when maybe the normal temptations of the day aren't presented to us. We need to remind ourselves God always gives us sufficient grace to resist temptation. So God will always give you sufficient grace to resist temptation. And you may hear that and think, oh my goodness, God has given me all of this grace and there are so many times I haven't accepted it because I've fallen to that temptation. That makes me such a terrible person. Well, calm down. Get over yourself. Big surprise, you're a sinner, okay? And you've messed up and I've messed up. That happens, okay? God wants you to focus more on his love and mercy for you right now. And he wants to give you hope for the future. So set aside all the times you failed. Because that whole idea oh, I shouldn't fail as much as I do. Really, that's pride. Like, why are you surprised you fail so often? Who do you think you are? You're a sinner, just like everyone else is a sinner. And guess what? God came to save sinners. So you're going to be okay. God wants to save you. God wants to heal you. And if you keep that hope in mind, 
It'll help you realize that every time a temptation is put in front of you, that is an opportunity to grow in holiness. You're not alone. You're not doomed. Being presented with a temptation isn't a sin. Being presented with temptation is something that happens to everybody. And you have the ability to react to this temptation well and to grow in holiness and to glorify God. So if we keep that in mind, it makes sense. Oh, there's a temptation in front of me. I can actually be thankful because God can see me through this by resisting it with his grace. I can grow in holiness. I can provide a good example for those around me. And I've turned this weapon of the enemy, temptation, I've turned that against him and it's become a victory for God. Okay, this second thing that is seen to be honorable by God is actually way more difficult than the first. The second one is when every human action is pure before God mixed with no human motive. So here's the thing. Almost all of our actions have a mixed motive. Think about how we decide what we're going to give up for Lent. Sometimes we think to ourselves, you know what? I really like soda or pop, depending on where you live. And I want to give that up, you know, because that would be difficult for me to do. It'll help me grow in virtue. But also, secretly, in the back of your mind, you're like, you know what? If I cut out sugar, maybe I'll lose some weight and I'll look better and feel better. Guess what? That's a mixed motivation. It doesn't mean that the action is bad. It's still a good thing to do. But in the spiritual life, we're asked to go deeper, to go deeper, and to see where the motives of our hearts are. Can we, over time, make more and more our actions, our choices, our decisions? Can we do that purely for the love of God? Purely because it's a good thing to do. Now, what this does not mean, what it does not mean is that I should feel bad about the good things I do. Because sometimes this gets into our mind as Christians. It's good to feel bad about doing good things. Like, if an action is really tough for me to do, then it's a better thing than if something's easy for me to do. Now, certainly, if doing the right thing is difficult, but you do it anyway, that's really good. But ideally, doing the right thing should be easy. Doing the right thing should feel good. It would make sense that doing something out of love for someone would make us feel good. Because then our emotions, our actions, our minds, they're all lined up. They're all pursuing the good. And so we do a good thing and we feel good about it. That's actually more ideal. But the tricky thing is not to do a good thing because it feels good. See the difference there? It's okay that doing a good thing feels good but we want to avoid doing something good just because it feels good. So yeah, going to a food pantry and helping out may help you feel good, and that's good. But if we're going to the food pantry just because it makes us feel good, then that becomes a a selfish act. That becomes not about God or his glory or our love for our neighbor. It becomes all about us. And if more and more we do even good things just for our sake, slowly that's going to erode our soul. Slowly, we're going to turn away from good things and just focus on the things that make me feel good in the moment. And that can become a a slippery slope from doing good things to doing bad things. 
So how do we combat this? By reflecting on the things we've done throughout the day. In prayer, asking God to reveal our motives to us. So go ahead and ask the Holy Spirit, like, Lord, why do I want to do this thing? Is it partially for me? Lord, can you help purify my desires in this action? Really, Lord, can you make my desires like your desires? Can I desire what you desire in the way that you desire? Lord, please give me that grace. And as with all things in the spiritual life, well, as with most things in the spiritual life, this isn't going to happen, you know, like, boom, right away. It's going to take time. It's going to be a, a daily struggle and a daily battle. But it's something that you can grow in. So don't lose hope because you realize all of a sudden, oh my goodness, all of my desires and all my actions have, have, have mixed motives. Once again, big surprise, you're a sinner in need of God's grace. Okay, so if God's revealing that to you, that's going to be the first step in healing and purifying our desires to be more like his. Being thankful for temptations, that's pretty difficult. Having every action be pure with no mixed motive, that's even more difficult. And the third one is probably the most difficult. When a disciple remains obedient to a spiritual father and gives up all his self-will. Now, obedience is something totally foreign to Western culture. We value being a leader, standing up for yourself. We value the little guy sticking up for himself and going against the big guy, uh, the underdog. Speaking truth to power, uh, starting a revolution, banding together and, and forcing our will upon other people. Okay, now, so, some of those things aren't bad in and of themselves, right? Some of those things are, they're, they're fine. But we value those things. We really don't value obedience. Now, why is obedience a Christian value? Why is it so important for the Christian? Well, if we go back to the story of Adam and Eve, that first sin of Adam and Eve was that they were disobedient to God. That God gave them everything. And God gave them one rule. And by the way, that giving of the rule to them, that's not like a manipulative or bad thing. You're a bad parent if you never give your kids any rules, right? That would make you a terrible parent. If you're just like, do whatever you want all the time, I don't care. It would mean you don't care. It would mean you don't love your children. In the same way, God gives us guidance on what to do because he loves us. But... Adam and Eve were disobedient to God. They chose to serve themselves rather than to serve the God who loves them and gave them everything. So really, all sin is disobedience. How does Christ save us? By radically doing the opposite. Instead of being disobedient, he's radically obedient. He is sinless. He did everything well. He did everything right. He loved. He poured his whole heart out. If anyone had the right to say, God, you know what? I would like not to go to the cross. You know, God, I don't really deserve this suffering. Jesus Christ could have said that. But instead, he's radically obedient to the Father's will. Not just that, he's even, in a certain sense, obedient to the Jewish authorities at the end who want him to die. He's obedient to the Roman soldiers. At any moment, he could have gotten out of that situation. But his obedience 
to those earthly powers really wasn't obedience to them. It was obedience to his heavenly father. And so he wasn't ashamed of being obedient even to bad people because ultimately this was going to be the will of his father. And so the desert fathers realized that in order to imitate Christ's obedience to his heavenly father, we need to be obedient to earthly powers here. And not just any earthly power, right? They need to be powers with right authority. So the, their spiritual fathers and the older monks in the desert or being obedient to your priest or being obedient to your mother superior or being obedient to your bishop and being obedient even though not all of their decisions are going to be correct. Being obedient even though sometimes they will ask you to do things that you think aren't the right decision. Now, we have to have a caveat here, you know. We're not inclined to obey things that are evil. But the problem with our mindset is that we so often assume anything we don't like is evil, right? Any decision we dislike or disapprove of, well, that can't be something I need to be obedient to. Well, the Desert of Fathers and the saints of the church always lean toward the side of obedience. And there's something to be gained from that. But yeah, this is especially tough because we live in a time of scandal. We live in a time where we don't trust authority. But there's still a lot to be gained by very humbly submitting ourselves to the decisions of those in authority over us. And that doesn't stop being a Christian virtue just because things are difficult and complicated right now. And if you look back throughout history, there's always been bad bishops and bad mother superiors and bad abbots and bad leaders. But through it all, Christians have recognized how important obedience is. So if your bishop or priest tells you to murder someone, don't go and start murdering people, okay? That's obviously wrong. But if your bishop makes really difficult decisions that are within his power to make, then maybe we need to just humbly submit to those things in imitation of our Savior. These things are very difficult things, which is why these desert fathers went out into the desert so they could focus all of their energy on achieving more and more of this kind of perfection and so that they could learn how important these things were and they could share it with us. Okay, that's all for today. Remember that no matter how isolated you may feel, nothing can separate us from the love of God. God bless.